First, it's a work of realizing that I'm alive. As, as simple as people might take that, I'm here, right? There's something once you, you get that, where you go, I'm here. Fred Morton puts it like that, you're already in the middle of the ocean. What he's telling you that is that you are in the middle of the ocean, you are alive. And so then, for me, that speaks magical things. Not in a way of, uh, I can, you know, I can be alive even through death and through violence and through whatnot. It's just telling me about the possibilities of aliveness, of, of life that I have. And so I'm, I'm, I'm not interested into going, okay, I'm being displaced and da-da-da-da-da-da. That is all part of the story that I'm telling. But I'm interested in the places that I'm alive, and I'm alive is that when, when, I, when I'm making, when I'm creating, when I'm these improvised ways of living, and I'm interested in that place. Because growing up in the, in the township, and, you know, I'm, I'm from the township, a lot of that people go, people are dying, people, but I've also, people are alive. People are doing, people are, are navigating, people are on the everyday creating those spaces of being alive for themselves. From the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town, this is the ICA podcast where we interview South African artists and curators who perform or curate live interdisciplinary works. I'm Catherine Bull and you're listening to Season 2, Episode 4, featuring choreographer and academic Nomkubisi Moyikwa and her remarkable 2017 performance, Clash Clash. The work was first developed as part of Moyikwa's master's degree at Rhodes University. And since then, it's been reworked and performed at numerous festivals, including the My Body, My Space Public Arts Festival and the ICA's Third Space Symposium and Live Art Festival. Experiencing Clash Clash, it's as if, as theatre maker Linda Machabutlane writes, we are being walked through Moyikwa's fears and fantasies. The work is made up of a series of short arresting scenes or portraits of black subjectivity that draw on dance, evocative sounds and music, a kind of call and response dialogue between Muyikwa and her co-performer Mlondewetu Dubazane, as well as startling imagery. It's tempting to think of Clash Clash as dreamlike in tone, with its chaotic apparitions and sounds, but the performance is firmly grounded in Moyiko's lived experience, the people, places, and everyday interruptions that have shaped her. Part of the images I have come from my dreams, and part of them come from a place of remembering, and part of them come from wanting to experience a particular thing that I've experienced before bodily and emotionally and wanting to understand how that could, you know, form images of their own as I sweat it out of my body. This combination of disorientation and visceralness, the fantastical and the everyday, defines the work. Muyikwa seems to prod us at every turn to drop our inclination to make sense of what we are seeing and hearing. Instead, the work holds out an invitation to explore a state of being 
and the discoveries that both the performers and we as audience members might make in real time in the process of the works unfolding. In today's episode, we step into the immersive world of Clash Clash, not as an experience to be figured out, but as an ongoing meditation on aliveness, on the necessity of insisting one's presence in the world, on eroticism and sexual pleasure, and on community and continuity. So obviously, Kama, my name is Nomtebisi Moyekwa. And usually when I introduce myself, uh, I think now specifically because I'm, tr- I'm starting to ground myself in that, in that position, I always start with being a mother first to Kayone. Um, just as a way to introduce Ugutsi, that my life is, you know, is full of interruptions. And interruptions is a lovely thing, not as a, <laughs> as a bad thing, right? And so I always start there. And then obviously, then I go into, I'm an educator. And quite recently, I can say I'm an artist without rolling my eyes. I grew up in Gramstown in Makanda. And... I grew up with my grandmother and my granddad and my mom and my gr- I lived in my grandmother's house, my grandparents' house, but my mom and her sisters also lived there as well. So we, we lived quite cross-generationally like that. Everyone was there. My, my aunts had children. They were, we were all there together in a, in a four-roomed house. One thing that's particular in my life is the loss of my grandmother in 1999 and how that shifted the entire dynamics in, in, in my family. Um, my, my mother and my aunts, they went, obviously, because they just lost their mother, they went into complete depression where alcoholism started to take place. And it, it was very interesting for me, now that I have to think about it, how we as the children had to kind of continue the, I want to say continue the breath in the household, but rather this thing of um, everything is going okay, Every, we are continuing. When I think about it, I think about how this making of the world <laughs> began there. For me, what, conti- what is continued is always something that is interesting because that's something that happened for in my household. They needed to... Right? Which is my surname. Had to be continued. And we had to continue in school, which means I had to do a world at school. We had to continue in, in our neighbor, which mean, meant that we had to greet our elders. We had to continue at house, which means we had to put the lights on at 6 p.m., right? A way of continuing the kind of um, that my grandmother, you know, was making <laughs> in the process. So we had to find a way of continuing those. This kind of improvised way of living that is continuous. So I saw this post on Facebook and Atambile, Dr. Atambila Masola was talking about, she's a historian, she was talking about 
ukulanda which is excavating histories that were never um that we don't possibly know or that were erased and whatnot and then she was talking about how it's important to mention the tradition that you're coming from or to say okay i'm following this tradition when i when i saw this it suddenly clicked something in me that oh if you were to speak about your tradition which tradition are you continuing and i had to speak about for example umkhenzo right which is what they were called traditional dance you know that that's how it would it exist if we have to you know put it in a in a university context it would go okay learning traditional dance um then i think when i was beginning my learning choreography in my third year i used to think i like repetition and then i had to go okay if i have to go i'm continuing from the tradition of you know african dance and especially looking at kumkhenzo and maybe looking at um where you coming from like the performances that exist in in your community which is you know the, the the dance of the traditional healers what is this dance asking from the person what is this dance asking of the human instead of going okay am i using repetition and i said traditional dancing is is teaching us the importance of insisting that you insist first on your humanity and also i come from the tradition of those people we have to think about um black people in south africa and black people in the world this world of insisting of being here i i had to then revert and like no i don't like repetition my tradition is asking is telling me of the work of insisting in the beginning i began to think okay how can i save the world <laughs> now i'm more like what kind of world do i want to live in and how can my um expressions become a language that begins this world as a proposition of another kind um i think what fred moten called another kind of presencing another way of presencing yourself i'm proposing a way of presencing oneself we are Audience members filtering into the performance space of Clash Clash are met with the image of Moyikwa standing upright and still in a long, almost regal black leather coat that stretches down to the floor and fans out in a large semicircle behind her. The performance space is big but sparsely lit, so it appears much cozier, much more intimate than it would ordinarily. In addition to the figure of Moyikwa, our eyes are drawn to a few objects that surround her. There is a collection of eggs painted gold that look like shiny metallic balls scattered across her coat where it fans out on the floor. There's a small round table to her right and to the left two chairs and a kettle that's draped in a red gauze-like material. And the opening soundtrack. There's Nina's oh, There's Nina Simone. It's it's almost like a It should be sad. You you feel the sadness, but also the sadness vibrates so much joy. Because this thing that she does, joy, joy, joy. And then she go joy. It 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 it's um Yeah, it's like we are also we are toma. It's like that that moment it's always mimics or not remembers 
the kind of air before procession in church comes in. I'm thinking about my own church. Like the, so usually people are sitting down and then the bell goes. It reminds me of that moment. It's almost like, uh, you know, you're feeling your belly with, with breath, which is a reminder of hey, be here. Be available. Be open. As Nina Simone continues to play, we see that beneath the long coat of the golden eggs at its edges, Moikwa is wearing a pair of roller skates that she begins to move in tentatively, her legs scissoring back and forth. A black duck covers her head and hangs down low over her forehead, almost blocking her eyes. Her torso is wrapped in fairy lights which stand up brightly in the dark room, and beneath the lights Moikwa wears a short black jumpsuit. This layering of clothing, which echoes the work's continual layering of words, sounds and music, was inspired by the woman that Moikwa saw around her growing up. I've always been fascinated. I've always said, like, yo, the, the gangster gangsters are really omakote, which is like the, 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 the cluster brides. There are specific ways in which they dress the woman. So there's like a, a dress and then there's like a petticoat and then there's a there's a towel wrapped around the tummy and the jersey. And even if it's like summertime, and then there's this, a duke, there's a, a blanket on top of them. A lot of things wrapped around this woman that are, 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 are being um, put together by safety pins. The wrapping of specific body parts, the, the, the belly, the, the shoulders, the petticoat, which is also ready to go to the kitchen. So it's like a geared up person. It's like a, I already have my, my gun, I have my knife or, you know, a gangster prepared. You know what I mean? So if we have to go back when I ask myself the places in which I'm alive, that moment I was like, yo, my, my aunt right there at the, while she's sitting, wrapped pins, duke here, you can hold a tea, a hot tea in a tray with your duke like this. You don't even see. For me, that was wild, wild, wild. And so I, I, I was really fascinated by how um, this, this fragility, but also not fragility thing, I don't know how to say it, this kind of fragile things that are holding us together whether we are keeping them or holding them by hand or they are at the tail of the dress. Um, I'm not a skater. That was deliberately so that I'm not going to be learning how to skate properly. I want to experience what it means because this woman represents that from when they, they, they are still moving, holding those fragile things. Kashkash is usually it's a it's um it's a guessing game. It's like what is it called? I spy with my little eye. It's that one. What happens in Kashkash? You know, it's not about explaining what the game is. For me, it's it's how does this guessing or Kashkash presence me? So this idea of witnessing yourself unfold, or what um, Kendrick William calls being a present witness in your life. And that, uh, that is the learning. That is the, it, it, it is an exploration of self. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's looking at a, a choreographic language or movement research that happens as I 
journey, it, you know, I took seriously that I was doing a guessing game. I did not want to um, run away from it. I was interested in how do I breathe in that, in that moment? How, what decisions do I make about my body in that mo moment? Um, what decisions do I make uh, about relating to other people in that moment? Because the thing about my work is that I discover, I never really consciously know what I am doing really um but at the same time it's not it's not saying that i don't know i'm saying that the knowing of it can only happen communally my productions become places of existing of aliveness that i know of once we see Uguti, when I'm standing by the bus stop, even if it's, when I'm standing by the bus stop, I'm alive. So there's something about being in the presence of the, the bus stop sign with the corner shop with my friend and the boys um, who are standing there and me waiting for that. That keeps me alive. It seems as if it's a minute thing, but that is a specific thing that is very particular to where I come from. Places of aliveness, they are everywhere, located in the corner, located in the kitchen, located in the bathroom, located in the... They're there, right? They are very particular. And they require for us to enter them in their particularity. So then again, we can open them up bit by bit. And this is what we are doing right now, isn't it? <laughs> we are opening up my place of aliveness. Wait. Wait. Wait, 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 wait. So. As the soundscape shifts into more haunting tones, Moyikwa takes off the leather coat and roller skates, and she climbs on top of a table placed alongside four other tables in a rectangular formation, all of them covered in a huge expanse of material, that looks like ruffled sheets on an unmade bed. On top of the bed, Moikwa moves in sometimes slow, sometimes fast and fitful gestures, while Mlondewetu Dubazane's words sound out from the darkness behind her. The waiting, I think in my process when I was creating the work, it moved from Yima, which is Tosa from Yima. And you can hear in this thing, it's, it's, it's a... Um, it's an ask more than an instruction. When I hear it, it's an ask. So it's something, so it's an, if you want to put it together, but I think they're both there. It's an instructed ask. I don't know, where you also ask yourself. I can ask myself to wait. I can wait. I can also ask other people to wait. And the other people can ask for each other to wait, to allow for the interruptions to happen. Usually we think of the waiting as a nothing happens in it. And so for me, I wanted the, um, again, to pay attention to the particularities of the waiting, that the waiting, that there's something that happens in the waiting. Within the archives, there's this, there's this sense of 
filling in the gaps, the erasures, trying to feel, you know. It was important for me to ask myself to wait before you even fill out the gaps. Just listen. You don't know what's going to happen next, but you know there is a continuity, hence the counting has to continue. We try to bring the kind of, in the beginning, the kind of aliveness of, 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 of the making in theater, the kind of the, um, the decisions that we make, the standby, and how do you take that, that is all usually used in theater when you are creating so loosely. Okay, standby, guys. Okay, ready? Let's go. How do you um, use that to and take that seriously that when you stand standing by, you're asking the body to to prepare itself. Saying, okay, something's about to happen. It, it reminded me of how when when we're doing umsebenzi or a ceremony at home, the standing byness there, it is we're about to transition or we're about to ask. So it's a kind of preparednessness. It, we are asking you to present yourself differently now because we, we know that you're going to be creating, opening up something. And therefore you need to be prepared, you need to be ready, you need to stand by. really insisting on the fact that storytelling becomes a communal thing. So the thing of Nipi, where are you guys? Where are you, Nipi? I could be speaking, it's it, it vibration. Whoever answers, it could be my ancestor, Nipi. It could be the people who are sitting there, Nipi. Where are you guys? Where are you um, in the place of where I am right now. And also, we need to be continuing together. I need to collect. So that this thing, you know, the composition becomes the evidence of us collectively moving. The repeated insistence of counting and waiting gives way to an intimate and sensual dance sequence. Muyikwa takes off her duk, the fairy lights and the black bodysuit, to reveal a white leotard beneath. On her feet she's just wearing socks as if she's at home or in an enclosed private space. And the room is completely dark except for a soft yellow spotlight shining on Muyikwa, who sits on a chair, breathing heavily. Alongside her, also on a chair, there's a kettle. I suppose um, something that I was yearning and wanting for and, and wanting to understand. People were talking about black joy and for me in that moment, my sexual, my relation to my body and sex and, you know, and it was, um, 
not the way I wanted it. It was a uh, like as a person who masturbated at 25, I never really understood the kind of imp- how important it is not just for the masturbating process, but for the for the way in which you to know your body, to know what tingles you, you to know what frustrates you, to know what excites you, to know as that is an important process. So I was fascinated to. What is what is this experience, right? Which now I had felt, you know, the electrifying thing, the kind of hot but also intense, but also it's also I also understood in the moment of almost feels like a, a um a worship. All of this presencing of compositionally being in, in tune with the boiling kettle i was wanting to to have this when the person is affirming me and is saying yes yes keep going keep going because it also it's also boiling right so it's saying yes 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 okay you can do this okay up until that moment of <gasps> i'm taking it you see now you know okay 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 i understand i can understand i understand i understand how i can evaporate and i understand i feel it and so the kettle moment was for me again beginning of of being touched the way of expanding the rhythms of your body i have those rhythm in my body and i can find them Kettle dance sequence ends with Moiko picking up the chair on which she was sitting, moving and spinning with it, and then, as if about to sit back down again, she suddenly falls to the floor, where she lies briefly, panting and bathed in red light. A siren begins to ring out, and a choir of about 20 singers moves from the darkened outer edges of the performance space and into the spotlight. I come from a community where my thinking, where I said interruptions, what you call interruptions, I think that exist all the time. So what was you say? Oh, it's a dream. It's a moment for me. That is what I said. Normal, where a choir would be passing through my street. You no, know, a church would be passing through my street. Um, this kind of people who go around and this kind of revival or awakening. And then we'd be like by the um, curtains and be looking at this beautiful um, choir going down our road slowly. This, this again, again, it's echoed this kind of continued procession, collectingness that is exists where I come from. So, and in that manner, the, the choir itself would be collecting 
they were collecting these voices or collecting these energies of the souls or this the spirit or this um, energy of people wanting to join in you know it doesn't really have to be really them joining in physically but then you know that there's a there's a they when they pass they continue with you this is a, something that's normal in my community that Shabin that is next to me, it's still, they're still playing their brandy as the choir is passing, as the children you know, are playing on the streets and their parents are calling them. As inside my house, we are picking and, and looking and, and wanting to see this thing. So, it's, so that, is, that is the air, that is the rhythm of where I come from. And that's why I also say to my students that you have something. Try and run away from the thing of the academy that asks you to roll your eyes back as, as if to, to, to search for this thing that you don't have. Close your eyes and insist on, you know, the things that you find. What are those moments that, that I'm alive and I'm able to, to create? Where are they? Even if it's a kettle boiling. Um, because, you know, sometimes you want to look, we are asked to look for the bigger things. What is your pain, black woman? What is your joy, black woman? What is your, you know, it's always for me, it's always so far. Um, and for me, it's my way of bringing it closer to know that it's existing in many parts of my everyday. And the beautiful reminders of I'm not doing this by myself. And I'm being dead, but as all Tandiswama's life reminds us in the song of hers. That's part of my, my upbringing, that you, you call on those people that are walking with you. Um, because that is a necessity. The ICA podcast is a production of the Institute for Creative Arts at the University of Cape Town. It's produced and edited by me, Catherine Bull. Music in this episode features Smooth Stone by Blue Dot Sessions. Join us for episode five of season two, featuring performance artist Gavin Creston. See you then, and thanks as always for listening.